from KQED. You're listening to Queued Up. I'm Ryan Levy. A few days ago, I was driving through Oakland and talking to a couple of friends who live on the other side of the country. We're in a long-distance book club together, and we were talking about what we should read next. One of my friends, she lives in Arkansas, suggested this new book called There, There. It's about Native Americans living in Oakland, and it's written by Tommy Orange, a Native American who grew up in Oakland. It also happens to be a New York Times bestseller, and Vox calls it the novel of the summer. It's just one example of what is quickly becoming clear. Oakland artists, especially artists of color, are having a moment, and the whole country is taking note. But it wasn't always that way. Here's KQED's Sandia Dirks. What was the use of my having come from Oakland? It was not natural to have come from there. Yes, write about it if I like, or anything if I like, but not there. There is no there, there. That's what Gertrude Stein wrote in 1937 in her autobiography. She was talking about nostalgically that the Oakland she knew no longer existed. A lot of people have taken that as a put-down. There, there has been used to say it doesn't have culture, or it doesn't have place, or it doesn't have a feel to it. Bret Hart, when the earthquake happened, he said that didn't do much damage in Oakland because there are some things even the earth won't swallow. I mean, that's kind of, you know, hit you get on Oakland. It's a very convenient quote if you're gentrifying someplace to be like there's no place there anyway or nobody's from Oakland. All the new people here, all the new white people gentrifying, it's very convenient to have that feeling. That's Tommy Orange and Ishmael Reed, two Oakland writers from different generations. Reed says Oakland artists have always been fighting against the narrative of an invisible city. Finally, a new generation of artists is getting national attention. Orange's novel, an Oakland novel, takes its title straight from that misinterpreted Gertrude Stein quote, There, There. I also wanted to use that quote, not only because it's about Oakland, but because for Native people, similarly, we live on land that has been changed from what it was. The novel is about identity and Native identity and figuring out how to make sense of living in the city. Orange writes, We bought and rented homes, slept on the streets under freeways. We went to school, joined the armed forces, populated Indian bars in the Fruitvale in Oakland and in the Mission in San Francisco. We lived in boxcar villages in Richmond. It's a totally different experience being an urban Indian than it is being a res Indian. And so much of representation is based on reservation Indians or historical Indians. We did not move to cities to die, he writes. The sidewalks and streets, the concrete absorbed our heaviness. The glass, metal, rubber, and wires. The speed, the hurtling masses. The city took us in. It risks being erased. If all you can refer to as self is historical, then you're basically already gone. And that's a really terrible feeling. The Oakland that I grew up in was one in which we were constantly wanting to be engaged with something bigger than us. That's Boots Riley, an Oakland artist and activist. Boots remembers driving back and forth across the flats of Oakland. That trip was what it was all about, looking for signs of life. Buildings were boarded up, neighborhoods abandoned by infrastructure. But there wasn't a void there. Oakland's culture came up through cracks in the crumbling concrete, Turf dancing, the original sideshows, hyphy and hip hop, like Boots Riley's group, The Coup. Yeah. That's right. There's a small history of Oakland in film, too, mostly cult classics. The blaxploitation film The Mac, Sun Ra's Space is the Place, the Tupac Shakur vehicle Poetic Justice. 
Decades later came Fruitvale Station, whose Oakland-born director Ryan Coogler gave a visual shout-out to Oakland in his mega-hit Black Panther. All these movies star black actors. Most are directed by black filmmakers, and it can be argued that they're mostly made for black people. That says something about the heart of Oakland's culture. But Boots says the city didn't make it easy for black culture to grow here, passing cruising laws, banning barbecuing at the lake. Boots says it was a de facto freeze on gatherings of black people. Even after Tupac made it huge, the city wouldn't let him come back to put on a concert. There was a there here, but it wasn't appreciated, Boots says. That kid that didn't see his city represented, what would it have meant to you to see Oakland represented? It would have been big because even just people that were from Oakland. I remember uh, Sheila E. Sheila E. She came to Oakland High passing out tickets to the premiere of the movie she was in, Crush Group. And she came to the school dressed in her full, like, Prince-style regalia. It seemed like there was, like, a light around her as she walked through the hall. Like, of your high school, that meant that we meant something. We're told so much that we are insignificant through just life, what we see on television or the movies. Who and what we see reflected back is important for representation, but also because it shapes our understanding of the world. Like, I've never been to Delhi. I have a picture in my head of what it looks like. And that picture is not even from the news. It's probably from James Bond movies with really racist ideas about it. For a long time, representations of Oakland weren't good. A lot of them were in the news, the murder capital, drugs and crime. Negative narratives erased the city's culture. Now these Oakland artists are taking back the narrative reins. For Boots Riley, his storytelling is rooted in his activism, in his socialist deconstruction of not just racism but capitalism. Orange is breaking tropes around Native representation, not on the reservation and not preserved in the past, but here in the present in this city. Oakland's having a great year, and hopefully that will not just be a wave that comes and goes or recedes. But here comes the classic moment in any Oakland story, the one that has to do with gentrification. Oakland, Black Oakland, Native Oakland are bursting out into the world at the same time as it becomes less and less possible for Black and Native people to afford to live here. In the glow of all this representation, of their finally very much being a there here. The people that have been here can't stay. We currently live out in Angel's Camp, and we're thinking of moving back in the fall, and now we can afford it. And we haven't been able to move back because we haven't been able to afford it. That writing a book about Oakland would allow you to then come back to Oakland is kind of <laughs> magical. <laughs> yeah. If we make it back in the fall, I'll think of it like that, like Oakland allowed me to come back. Thanks to Sandia Dirks for her reporting. If you head online, you can hear Sandia walk you through a cinematic history of Oakland movies, from the Mac to the just-released Sorry to Bother You. You'll find that and other great stories from this week at our website, kqed.org slash qedup. I'm Ryan Levy. Have a good week. Earlier this week, I had the pleasure of working with the talented and hilarious team that makes KQED's The Bay podcast. I worked on an episode about what might be the most famous burrito place in the country, and it's right here in San Francisco. 
La Taqueria, man. The best taqueria in San Francisco, bro. If you want a burrito, the best, you just wait. La Taqueria in San Francisco, California. It's the best burrito in the world. But underneath all that fame was wage theft and unfair labor practices. Hear the whole story by subscribing to The Bay on your podcast platform of choice.